Hey everyone, it's good to be back. In this episode, we're gonna be talking about the new podcast experience and the pod management structure. This is Brad Larson, founder of the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group, owner of RentWorks Property Management and your podcast host. So a couple of things I wanna talk through because it's been five, six months since I've done a podcast and kind of took a, a brief little hiatus there for a bit. And so we're gonna revamp the podcast show and I'll give you a few reasons why. We're gonna be doing mostly monologues from here on and the monologue format is going to allow me to openly riff on exactly what we want to talk about here on the podcast, give us a few perspectives of what's going on in the world. We're going to have few, if any, commercials, which is just going to be, it's going to be streamlining the way we do the podcasting uh, format. And I wanted to uh, talk about a couple of different things too, because for one, we canceled the Property Management Mastermind Conference. Okay, so I wanted to at least give you the update there. The We did the PMM Con for, it was four years running. We started in Vegas, COVID hit, uh, then we went to Dallas, and then we went uh, to, to back to Vegas, and then we went to Nashville. And it was a great time. We had some pretty good parties and great RentWorks, uh, excuse me, great property management mastermind formatting. And, you know, a lot of my RentWorks employees got to go to that, and it was a good good opportunity. We had some great bands, some good times. So, you know, it was a good run. But at the end of the day, the conference is a tough gig to put on year over year. Uh, the hotels don't make it any easier. They're very, very expensive. And a lot of times the signups come very late, so you're stressed until the very end. And it wasn't a moneymaker or even like, you know, you break even. So you, you're lucky to break even at best. And the side effect of that is you have to go out and beg for sponsorships. And I just, I just hated doing that. You know, there's some of the vendors that I just don't really care for that I had to kind of be nice to. And I would rather not have been nice to them. And I don't mean to be mean to them, but at the end of the day, uh, my hands were tied with certain things I could say or certain things I could represent. And of course, you got to give some of those clowns absolute time they don't deserve on the airwaves to talk about their <clears throat> menial or useless products and services, all for the all ever encompassing dollar that you're trying to get out of them to run a successful conference or at least break even. So now that that is done and over with, the handcuffs are off, let's say. So we can kind of do what we want here. We can say what we want. We can speak a bit more of the truth and really produce a, a, a darn good podcast show that you can enjoy. So one of the things I want to talk through also is we're going to be taking two to three different questions off of the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group and answer those in long format on each episode. So we'll take two or three of those. And you know that way we can go through some things in detail. Like one we're going to cover here in a bit is the pod management structure. And that has experience in our side, and we've done several podcasts or discussions in the past about how that potentially works. So a couple of things I want to go through as well is we did just complete our first RentWorks Mastermind, and that happened in December of 2023. It was a sold out event, and we put together two new dates coming up in 2024 in May and December. You can see what those dates are, rwmastermind.com. And I think that's a really good event you should consider coming to, especially if you're looking at how you're going to lay out 2024. Are you going to be going to industry conferences that may or may not be really the best focus? Or are you going to really pony up and spend the money and come to an event where you're going to maximize your return with the things that you get away from that, the, the takeaways, the deliverables, the, 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 the group format? I mean, that's really where you're going to actually get productivity at its highest. So a couple things we want to go through here 
you know, I get, I got to give you a couple stories that happened here in the last six months. Um, so I'll give you some background. I did a, I bought, I purchased a motor coach. You know, I've been the, I had the RV kick, the, the COVID thing really just, you know, really just, you know, everybody wanted to get out of wherever they were. And we were kind of on lockdown here a little bit in Texas. Not so much. We were pretty, you know, we we're a pretty free state. Uh, that's the other side of that. You're going to hear me getting into more politics sometimes uh, because I do have my opinions on certain things and, and naturally you're going to hear them. So right, wrong or other, you're going to hear some of the politics side. Now, COVID really started the whole thing about getting into uh, the RV game. So I started, purchased a fifth wheel, didn't like the fifth wheel. Uh, we, we drove all around into Montana and, and all that stuff and, and our first year RVing. And then we got into the motor coaching and went into a motor coach and uh, purchased an RV lot in the Breckenridge, Colorado area. And so I still own that RV lot today. And and so we were motor coaching here this last summer. And the story is actually going somewhere, trust me. So we're motor coaching. It was roughly uh, last part of August. And I have a Bronco, or I did have a Bronco, a, a Bronco first edition. You know, it was a, it was a really cool ride, the four-door uh, the Area 51 colors, awesome looking Ford Bronco. And that was being towed behind the motor coach. Okay, it's being towed. And that darn thing blew up. So this was not the first time I towed the Bronco. I've done it a couple dozen times. You, you strap it on, you, you, put, you go through all the steps inside the, the Bronco to flat neutral tow it. So it is a neutral tow mode. And it's all electronic inside those, those Broncos. And so eventually what we're doing is we're towing it and we, the, the thing was, I could see it in the rear view camera behind the motor coach, towing it behind it. And it just started to smoke like it was on fire. So I pulled over just, just inside of the Colorado border, almost into New Mexico, pulled over on the interstate, unhooked the Bronco, got the fire extinguisher out, popped the hood, motor, I mean, everything was leaking out from underneath it, all the motor fluids was just pouring out of it. It was still smoking and fuming. And yeah, it died. Basically, the, the Bronco died. And so, I mean, the story's getting somewhere. So, okay, I'm, I'm without a tow vehicle. I can't drive it. It wouldn't start. It's dead on the, on the side of the, the road. So I had to get a towed into Raton, New Mexico. And then I ended up having it shipped back to Bernie, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, where I live. Because that's where RentWorks is. We cover San Antonio and Austin. And, and so I make my home in Bernie, Texas. And so I had the Bronco towed back to the Ford dealership here in Bernie, Texas. And it goes through all the steps you would think you'd have to go to when it wasn't your fault. We did nothing wrong. The, the Bronco was properly put into all the tow mode because again, this was not the first rodeo. This was like the 15th, 20th time I strapped it onto that motor coach and towed it behind us. And so what happened was it gets into the Ford dealership and goes through all the Ford channels and they deny the warranty claim. The Bronco had 9,000 miles on it, less than 10,000 miles on it. And Ford decided to basically deny the claim. They said, nope, it wasn't under warranty because you improperly towed it, which we find out digging through a bunch of forums that this is a common problem with the Ford Bronco and they're just covering it up. And so I tell you that story because that's you know, it's just added into the last six months of 23 as being just an awful year. Other things happen. I'll get into it in later episodes, maybe. But that was just the tip of the iceberg of just a, a crap year in 23. Ford denied that Bronco. So I have vowed since then to never, ever buy another Ford product. 
And you're going to be seeing me driving GMC trucks and Maseratis and, you know, Jeeps. And that's about it. It's not going to be anything sort of a Ford product. Okay. So fun story there. I'm sure you all have 20 questions around that. What happened? Did you do this? Did you do that? Well, we did everything right. Ford did everything wrong. And, you know, I would go through the effort of potentially suing them, but you know, for what recourse Ford is a monster. Uh, I just hope anybody listening to me, if you ever have a decision to say, Hey, should I buy a Ford or not? You look the other way and say, you know, I'm going to look at something else because they just have serious issues. Uh, they they lost billions upon billions this last year from their overinvestment into the electric vehicle market, which again is another hot topic I'll touch maybe later on. But this is not a podcast about my personal problems. This is a podcast about, you know, what's been going on the last six months or so, and then get into the, the, the fun stuff we want to talk about regarding property management, because that's always where we really want to go into. So to get into some of the stuff, let's talk through a couple different fun parts about what we've been seeing on the Facebook group and talk about property management specific questions. So the first one I want to touch on is Damon Stratton. He posted on the mastermind group around the 19th of December. I'm looking for security deposit alternative programs. I'd appreciate any recommendations that had some tremendous reach. I mean, it had a 1.2 K post reach 56 plus comments on it. And there's some, there's some good stuff in there because I've been doing security deposit alternative programs inside of RentWorks for five plus years. And some of the comments in there, they touched about, they touched about certain vendors like Lighthouse. They touched on Obligo. There's Rhino. There's Jetty. There's Kira, K-I-R-A, which I've never heard of. Uh, there's an in-house method. And so I want to talk through some of this stuff and reference a couple different podcasts you may want to go back and listen to. The first one is episode 116-116 with Peter Lohman. He and I get on there and talk a lot about security deposit alternatives and Rhino and some of the policies that Rhino is making where, like in Texas, they came out and made a very, very bad law called Property Code 92.111. And that's talking about fee and lieu of security deposit. And not to get into the weeds of how bad that law is, but essentially we feel that Rhino lobbied the state and the state agreed to make it mandated if you're going to do any sort of security deposit alternative, such as a fee in lieu of a security deposit, which means in English, instead of a $2,000 security deposit, you're charging 20 bucks a month. Okay. And it could be 15, it could be 40, whatever the number is. It's a figure that's small and a tenant would look at the large $2,000 security deposit versus the small monthly fee. And they're like, yeah, that's a no brainer. I'm taking the monthly fee. So we did that, that program with Obligo to great success. I do like Obligo quite a bit. I don't have a lot of experience with Rhino, although I've never heard any good things because it's just simply insurance. There are different programs out there. And Peter Lohman in one of his, uh, his newsletters went through this at nauseum. So maybe you want to reference that. He's got a good newsletter out. I had it pulled up. So maybe we could pull through that and take a look at some of his notes. You know, so for example, he talked through uh, lease lock, Obligo, Rhino, and then the other guarantors like, like Jetty and Sure Deposit and things like that. Now, he has a pretty good breakdown of upfront costs, your monthly cost to the tenants, your unpaid rent and damage coverages, 
your revenue share of the landlord, landlord, yes, no, maybe so. Uh, payments refundable to the tenant. I mean, he had a pretty good breakdown of that. Uh, and that's in one of his newsletters, and I'll try to reference it. It's uh, March 19th, Security Deposit Alternatives and Tenant Screening Innovation. And it goes into a pretty deep dive on that. Our experience has been, we've done Obligo, we've done in-house, and then we've also done a security deposit insurance program through our current provider, which is um, probably the best scenario because of our, our hamstrung capabilities with property code 92.111. And we use YRIG, and they've been really good as far as security deposits and also with tenants and all the other stuff. So I'd recommend them, but in other states, my go-to would probably be the in-house method. Uh, it depends on what your state considers that to be. So for example, the Texas Department of Insurance did not like that program because they thought we we're adjudicating uh, these security deposits. And to us, it didn't make any sense because that's what you do every single time someone moves out. You're basically adjusting that security deposit. Is it going to be a some sort of uh, insurance claim or not? It gets really thick here, gang. But I do want to kind of bring it to the surface of, you know, this is one of those questions that is a, it's it's not a one-stop shop for everybody. Uh, I would recommend looking into a couple of different things, Obligo, self-insuring, and then YRIG is kind of the end result of that. And there's probably a couple of other different programs out there I'm missing, but, you know, our experience at RentWorks with with those three have been pretty successful. The uh, The problem, again, that we're, strapped down with is that property code stuff where we have to purchase insurance and okay we collect 20 bucks we spend 18 bucks on insurance what do we do with the extra two dollars is that secure is that considered security deposit uh do we have to refund that to the tenant it is such a bad law i can't even like begin to fully explain it in just a few minutes on a podcast because i need schematics i need the the answer the what ifs and I need to know, you need to read the property code itself to realize that it's very ambiguous. There's no distinct, definitive answers in there as to what to do. How much insurance are you supposed to purchase, right? Uh, what do you, how much can you charge for an admin fee over on top of the insurance that you purchase? How much coverage are you supposed to have? I mean, where are the limits that you, this insurance is? I mean, it's just, it's maddening. So I'm sorry for the long answer on that one. Episode 116 with Peter Lohman and also episode number 63 with Obligo with Casey Winter. I think that's a pretty good reference to go back and listen to a couple different ideas and what you may want to dive into to kind of make your own decision. Okay, now switching gears, another contributor inside of the property management Facebook group, Michael Smith asked, for those of you with a pod structure, how many doors do you have per pod? How many employees per pod and what roles? Tracy Mullinex had did a great job in contributing some awesome answers inside of that. Uh, she's also doing the uh, rent, the the systems conference, which Paul Kankowski has been putting on. And I, I think that's a pretty good conference if you're looking for one uh, to go to, a very detail-oriented systems conference. It's not affiliated with any sort of uh, trade association, so it's it's neutral game. And they really dive into the, the details of management in kind of a round-robin classroom format. And I think it'd be a pretty good conference. I've been to it once as a guest speaker, and it's it's been successful every year. They they kind of run it at a, a loss, so it's not like a big money maker for them. They, they break even, they make a little money on it, 
But at the end of the day, it's a very good networking, masterminding concept. And again, it's just a free promo to them. They have no idea I'm going to be doing that. But I do want to go back to the pod structure because at RentWorks, we've implemented the pod structure two or three years ago. And what really kind of spurred that was COVID. We were getting pushback from some of the property managers because at that point we were doing portfolio management where that key property manager was doing a lot of work and they were getting incentivized on all the homes that they managed. So the theory was, hey, you add a home to their portfolio and they cheer. Uh, but the mindset of a property manager really is not in tune with that. They're not so salesy that it's it's so important to them to that they got to have that sort of incentivization to take on more properties. And so what also happened is some of the property managers were getting 50, 60, 70, 80K a year. And when COVID hit, they sort of had a mini mutiny, a mini revolt. They all wanted to work from home. They didn't understand why they had to come to the office. And I firmly believe that you have to have an office structure, an office culture, which I hate that word. It sounds, sounds like you're growing germs inside of a Petri dish, an office environment, a good, healthy working environment that contributes to the total success of the organization. And you have to be in person for that at a, at a certain level. Yeah, we use a lot of remote team members. I'm going to talk through that because just because they work remote doesn't mean you can't still accomplish a lot of that in creating a good office environment. Okay, so we had a mini revolt with some of the portfolio managers and it kind of hit us. Like, why are we paying them 80 grand to sit at home and do work when we can pay somebody 10 or 15 or thousand a year to work remote? Whatever the number is, wherever you're paying them, you literally pay them one fourth to one fifth of a salary and you're getting just as much, if not more out of them and they can work remote. It's a, it's a tough structure here in the United States right now with the workforce. They expect a lot. They demand a lot. You got unemployment to worry about. You got health insurance to worry about. You got 401k to worry about. You know, it's just, it's just part of doing business. But what we found is the pod structure is what we switched to. And we created it to where we have one key on the ground portfolio manager and they're licensed. So they have a real estate license. And then we have three to four remote team members. Now you can give them certain titles, however you want to wordsmith that. You know, they have maintenance coordinator, they have uh, customer service, they have all kinds of different titles. They have make ready manager, uh, they have owner facing client relations. I mean, you can wordsmith the heck out of that, but you're going to have three to four. What we use is remote team members and they pull the strings, they do the customer service, they do all the renewals, they do everything in the background, they do all the make readies, they do the maintenance, uh, they do some of the accounting, they do statement reviews. Anything that's escalated goes to the property manager. Anything below that can be done at a customer service level. And we have it all written out and that's that's part of you know what you would learn at the RentWorks Summit is how we, how we do all that, how the RentWorks Mastermind, we share all that, the accountability structure, you know, we have five pages of how that works from every single duty description, every single job title, compensation methods. And it's not a pitch for that necessarily. It's just telling you that it's more than we can cover in one podcast. And so that might be a good consideration for you to, to want to learn more is attend our mastermind. Now, we have one coming up in May and one coming up in December. So pick one and, and jump in. So some of the other managers that, that made comments in there had, they want to know where the KPIs are. 
that's a pretty squishy moving target as well. And so I do wanted to bring, I wanted to bring up at least ours because we have some pretty decent KPIs. I mean, it's, it's never a perfect solution. Uh, but you know, I, I do think it's something to be, to be worth bringing up. So the, co- the, the KPIs of the pod format are kind of sticky. I'm going to read you some of what we use and it's never a perfect solution. So we have monthly KPI incentives for pods. Our stipulations, only one team will win each month. Each KPI is weighted at 25% of the bonus amount. If there happens to be the tie, the number of team Google reviews will be the tiebreaker. And based on the number of KPIs met, the SM and the CSS and the maintenance coordinator will split the award. Okay, it's pretty convoluted and difficult. So here are here's some of them. So less than five bad owner losses, zero homes on the market over 30 days, owner credits, I mean, how many owner credits we're giving back, and zero owner delinquency accounts for 30 plus days. So there's also quarterly KPIs. The team with the most wins that quarter, they get another award. And the event of a tie, the money will be split. So we, we take a pool of money, we put it on some of those metrics, and this is not a perfect solution. It's actually something we're looking at revamping. So you know, to answer the question on the Facebook group, you know, talk about the pod structure, and then are, are there any KPIs involved with that? And I'm sure I'm missing a hundred of them. Okay, you know what I mentioned is not like the end-all, be-all KPI list. And I said it really fast because I don't know if there's a real perfect KPI. I mean, obviously, that you should. There's books and podcasts out there that say everyone should have one number. You know, our one number, for example, going in 2024 is to figure out how to cut our bad churn in half. And bad churn can is also a loosey goosey definition, but that's you know, been covered in other episodes, so we'll kind of skip through that. And that's just a little bit of what we're talking through. Now, one thing I want to talk, caution you on is there were several comments in the Facebook group from uh, consultants or folks that are proclaimed coaches. One little tidbit. Here's Brad Larson bringing a truth teller now. So hold on. And if it offends anybody, oh, well, there's 22 consultants that we counted up from the last NARPM convention, 22. And the coaches, consultants, whatever, some of those so-called consultant slash coaches are clowns. Like they just really have never done anything inside of the property management world. They don't own a successful property management business or never have or they've been out of it for so long, they don't know up from down. So be very weary of who you're deciding to hire as a property management coach or consultant. Now, I'm not here to endorse any of them or talk bad about anyone in particular. I would just say if there's comments in there frequently by someone who never owned a management company, be leery of that. All right, that's my that's my, uh, my rant for the, for the day on this particular podcast. Now, okay. Uh, lastly, we want to cut through is uh, the if you post some of those questions on the Facebook group, I'm going to be looking to bring it into the episode here. And so right, wrong or other, it's going to be a fun conversation and something you can you can learn about. So there's a few things you want to reference uh, to wrap up this episode is go find those podcast episodes that I mentioned as the uh, uh, references from prior conversations and also go to RW mastermind.com to look and decide if you are looking to sign up for our RentWorks Mastermind coming up in May and or December. And I wanted to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.